Well, it is only two days until Christmas, and while this is likely not true to calendar year, where the birth of Jesus would have fallen, it is still not hard to imagine what it would have been like all those thousands of years ago on this day, right? Perhaps Mary and Joseph were still making that trek to Bethlehem, cold and exhausted. Or maybe they were already there trying to get warm in a cave instead of an inn, with Mary so ready to have this baby. Has anybody had a December baby? I have a December... Right? Can you just, like, put yourself in her shoes right now? I would just be like, yeah, I'm not going. Like, tough luck, census. This is not happening. I'm not making this trek nine months pregnant, but here she did. And Mary becomes this incredible focal point for us in this nativity. She's one of the main characters of this interaction for us. She's in so many of our hymns and Christmas carols, revered and honored, and even by some worshipped, even I would say that's a little too far. And so while we may have perhaps gone overboard on how much we honor Mary, we still do deserve to give her some credit and respect as an incredible young woman. She was a girl just like any other, probably between 14 and 16, as culture would have indicated to us. And here, this young girl has sought the heart of God so well that she is chosen for this incredible role in the redemption of humanity. And even more remarkable is that she says yes. Because like we had heard last week, that was not an easy thing. The road to obedience was going to be hard for both Joseph and for Mary. And that makes her yes even more remarkable. That she was willing to take on the great risk that her role in this story required. So this morning we're continuing on our God with us series. And the question is, what about when we're afraid? Where is God then. So let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment so long ago that it has transcended time, that this story is one that continues to stir awe and hope because it is what our souls are craving that you, King of Kings, would come to be our Savior, to be our redemption. And God, we know that we are frail humans, and so often we respond and react to the life around us in ways that even we wish we wouldn't. So this morning, God, we know that fear is something we each grapple with. Would you help us to learn how to trust? Would you help us to learn how to tame fear this morning? And so God, as always, would you allow every word that goes on my mouth 
not to be my own, but to be that which we need to hear from your spirit this morning. In your precious name, amen. Well, we're going to camp out in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. It's part of that four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's about two-thirds of the way, maybe a little bit further than that, through your Bible. And this is where the bulk of Mary's narrative is found in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And we're going to start here in verse 26 and then just jump around this narrative this morning. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. When the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Like we had learned last week, the cost of obedience was high for this couple. The cost to the reputation for Joseph was great. But for Mary, there were very few scenarios where this could end well for her. Back in that culture, to be found pregnant out of wedlock meant that most likely she would be dragged from her house by the men of the town and stoned at the entrance. Maybe she could flee. She could just run away from the consequence of that. But again, she's a female. There's no way that she can have a job or earn any money on her own. She can't have a home. She can't own property. That would all have to go to her son who's not yet born. Right now, as she's standing before this angel, she doesn't have the beauty of hindsight like we do, knowing that God is already orchestrating all of the pieces for her good and her safety. No, she's literally standing there pondering death or a future of begging at the gates. And she says, yes. Just let that sink in for a moment. That this likely teenage girl walked in such incredible obedience. And I don't think that it's too much of a stretch to say that that would take a little bit of taming fear 
to walk into, knowing the realities of her culture. Fear is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because on the one hand, it can protect us, and on the other, it harms us. I am afraid of heights, very afraid of heights. This is not a secret. And so while it protects me, like going to the edge of a mountain and going, yep, this is good. This is a safe distance from the edge. I don't want to go any further. Protection. That same fear of heights can also wound me. It could limit me from getting on an airplane to explore this beautiful world. And what I don't want you to walk away from this morning thinking is that anytime you feel afraid, that there's something wrong. Because the feeling of fear is a natural human emotion. We can't choose that. In fact, I would say that the feeling of fear sometimes is even God's grace to us. As the Holy Spirit says, uh, warning, get out of here. Warning, you're going into a bad situation. Warning. But perpetual and lasting fear, choosing to live in fear, well, that's a different thing. The Bible is very clear to us that the perpetual and lasting choice of living out fear is sin. And what we're finding out now with science is that God was really wise in telling us to not live with fear. The effects on our body, the psychological effects on our brain of perpetual and lasting fear are great. And so if you didn't know, anytime God tells us to do something, he decrees something for us, we always find out later it was for our good. We always find out later that it was for the betterment of us. He always knows best. And so how do we do this tug of war of our heart of fear and trust, knowing that when fear comes up, we can't control that, but we can control our response to it. So if we dive back into Mary's story, we don't know when Joseph finds out. We know that he finds out that Mary's pregnant. We know that he's not happy about this and that an angel comes to tell him that it's okay, that her story is accurate, to take her to be his wife. We know that both of these things happen before the journey. So the timeline is a little bit vague, but what we do see is that from Mary's portion of this narrative is that right after this announcement, right after her choice, she leaves. And she goes to see Elizabeth. In verse 38 down, it says, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And I love this response because I don't know about you, but when I'm afraid, the very last thing I want to do is admit it to anyone. I don't want to be around people when I'm terrified. 
because fear isolates us. It whispers into our minds that we are the only ones feeling this way, that no one else could ever possibly understand the fear that we're feeling. It whispers into our minds that if we were to tell somebody what we're feeling right now, that we would be humiliated, that we would be seen as weak or foolish, because fear lies to us. And so I love this response of Mary. She could have allowed fear to pull her into this spiral of despair, like fear does to us, choosing to hide away, but she doesn't. She could have given in to the lies of the gravity of the situation, which was true, because you can only hide a baby bump for so long. She could have given in to the lies that said the moment she told this story of what had happened to anyone, she would be labeled insane. Because remember, this is a culture that has had generations of nothing but God's silence. And to go and tell somebody that you alone were the recipient of an angel messenger, I don't think that would go over well. Just thinking. But she doesn't. She runs to the only person who could possibly understand and believe her in the moment. She runs to Elizabeth, a woman who herself has seen the hand of God, a woman who herself has been face to face with Emmanuel, God with us, coming into her feelings of inadequacy, coming into her feelings of being forgotten and overlooked. She runs there. That's what trust does. Trust chooses to surround ourselves with people that have seen the faithfulness of God. Trust chooses wisely who we are going to run to and confide in and gain courage from. And we see Elizabeth do just this starting in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This morning, if you're facing fear, who can you bring into your story? As you think through those people that are in your life, who has seen the hand and the goodness of God? Who knows the Emmanuel, God with us, that can speak courage, encourage, literally is giving courage to you in the moment when you are at your weakest and lowest. So you are never meant to do this alone. Fear isolates, but trust surrounds us with those who can lift us up, who can pray for us when we are too terrified to pray for ourselves, who can speak truth over our weariness. Don't let fear isolate you. Don't stay captive to its lies. We can choose 
trust. We can't choose those initial feelings. We can't choose when or where fear is going to come, but we can choose how we walk trust and obedience out. And we see how Elizabeth encourages Mary. And this is Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of this humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped this, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I love this song that Mary sings after Elizabeth gives her courage, after she builds her up with her spirit-filled words. But did you catch the beauty of this song? Hint, who is it about? That's the beauty. So it's actually not about Mary. she chose in that moment to lift her eyes because fear will always ask us to look down but trust will always encourage us to look up fear tells us that if we just focus in a little bit more we can solve the problem that if we just spend a little bit more time kind of thinking it through and obsessing about it, then we're going to come up with our own solution. We can make this thing go away. But that's just not true. Because we're limited. And we're frail and we're weak. We can't actually do it on our own. And the longer we focus on it, the larger it becomes and the more consuming it is. And that's why it's so important to walk in trust. That's why it's so important to choose to lift our eyes up to the one who's over all things. I don't know about you, but I can even get caught doing this in my prayers. Do you ever do that? Where you're like, okay, I'm feeling afraid, and so I'm going to bring this to God. But then all you actually do is you just spend time telling God about the problem. Right? Like he doesn't know. You're just informing him of what's going on. But really all you're doing is lifting your eyes halfway. It's like, well, God, this is what I need. This is what I'm feeling. This is the problem. And Mary opens with that. But then she chooses to lift her eyes all the way. But you, oh God. But you are merciful. But you are mighty. But you are able. So we lift our eyes and we see God. We see the truth of his character. In Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3, and then 6 as well, it says this. Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3 and 6. 
says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I've been saved from my enemies. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And I love reading the various descriptions that David uses here for God's character as our protector. He's our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, our refuge, our shield, our salvation, our stronghold. And fear says, just look down, just focus a little bit longer, just focus a little bit harder and we're gonna make it through. Just keep your head down and we can weather this storm. Just look down, look down, look down. Trust says, look up, look up. Because when the storms of life come, and they will, if we look up, we're going to see that we have a rock that we can take refuge in. When we hide ourselves in the rock, we can't be shaken. When we look up, we can see when we're attacked, when we're pressed on all sides, we have a strong tower and a city of refuge that we can run into, and nothing can get us there. When we look up, we can see that when we're stuck in a battle, and again, those things come because this is just life and it's broken. That we have a shield that protects us. And that we have a God who is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's promised to be both in front of us and behind. And when we look up, we see that we were never alone to begin with. When we look up, we see that we didn't have to have the answers or the strength in our own self, our broken, frail self, to make it through. We were never asked to, never expected to. When we look up, that's where the strength is. And I don't know what happened in that moment with Mary as she sang this beautiful song but I know what's happened in my own heart when I've just been at the end of my rope where I cannot take another step forward facing all of the realities of my frailness. And in those moments, reaching out to remind myself of the one who is greater than me, and sometimes it's his creativity and his wisdom that just plops into my brain and my heart in those moments. But more often than not, it's just a perseverance and a strength that allows me to take another step and do another day and another day and another day until all of a sudden that resolution that he had already had planned and working out happens. Mary just needed to do another day and another day and another day all the way through nine months. Looking up didn't change her journey. It didn't change her circumstances, but it changed her. It fortified her to go back. That's what looking up does. 
It's like the old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Fear says, look down. We can choose to look up, to find the one who is able and mighty and greater than we will ever be, the one who fights for you. Look up. Fear isolates, but trust surrounds us. But don't just surround us with people that are just as frail and broken as we are. Look up and surround us with the one who has all of the answers. The one who knows your need intimately and who, even though you can't see it, is already working it out for you. Fear, anxiety, stress, they're fascinating. And I shared with you a few weeks ago of my own journey with stress, but it's incredible how something that's so small and seems so inconsequential, but seems so normal, can engulf our entire lives, can change our brain chemistry, can change our bodies. God knew what he was doing when he asked us to release all of our fear and anxiety to him. As I was studying for this, I came across this article in Psychology Today on fear, and I just want to read a little portion of it for you. Through a process called potentiation, your fear response is amplified if you're already in a state of fear. When you're primed for fear, even harmless events seem scary. If you're walking, watching a documentary about venomous spiders, a tickle on your neck, caused by, say, a loose thread in your sweater, will startle you and make you jump out of your seat in terror. If you're afraid of flying, even the slightest turbulence will push your blood pressure through the roof of the plane, and the more worried you are about your job security, the more you'll sweat it when your boss calls you in for even an uneventful meeting. In other words, fear breeds fear. Fear breeds fear. And you know what? Trust breeds trust too. And the truth is that both of those are choices. Now the feeling of fear, that momentary startle, that butterflies in your stomach, that heart racing, that's human. There's nothing you can do about that. But walking out fear, that's a different thing. See, no matter how often I fly as I walk towards an airplane, that gangway, that's like a battleground for me. Every time. I can just feel my pulse racing, and it's harder now that my kids are older and they can see my own responses, so school your face. 
And as I walk, I actually have to have this conversation with me. It's the same every time. As I walk towards the door of that airplane, I go, Lisa, the Bible tells me that God already knows the very moment that you're going to die. It's already decided. So whether you are on this airplane or you're sitting at home, it doesn't matter. It's going to happen when it happens, and there's no changing it. So stop it. That is my moment, and then I get to the door of the airplane, and it's funny because this trip, my kids actually did the same thing, and I went, what are you doing? And they went, well, Mom, we're praying. And so as soon as we get to, before we step over into the airplane, we lay our hand on the outside of the hall, same prayer every time. God, you need to give these pilots wisdom and alertness make them very good at their jobs, give them everything that they need and put as many angels as you can fit under all of the wings. In Jesus' name, amen. But then from that moment, I have a choice to make. I can't do anything about the feeling of fear. I will probably always feel afraid in any heights moment. But once I've turned it over to God, I have a choice to make. Am I going to live paralyzed? Or am I going to live in trust? And you might think that just trusting is the choice, but that's not true. It's just the active choice, because living in fear is a choice too. It's a passive choice. But you know what the choice of living in fear does? It robs you of incredible moments. It robs you of the dreams that God had laid out for you. It robs you of the fullness of life because instead of choosing trust, you've chosen the what if. The things that might not even ever come to pass, but you've allowed that to dictate your entire world. Fear and trust are both choices. The fear breeds more fear. Trust breeds more trust. I read David's psalm to you about his just descriptions of God, and he was a man who had to trust God a whole lot when he had a lot of moments to be afraid. I thought this was very interesting. In Psalm 56, verses 3 to 4, he says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. That's Psalm 56, verses 3 to 4, if you're writing that down. I put. That's active. That's a choice. I choose so what are we going to choose this morning? We can't choose the feeling. The feeling's just human. That's just natural. But we can choose how we respond. We can choose where we walk. We can choose whether we're going to allow it to hinder or we're going to allow ourselves to trust. We can take away the power of fear. And when fear calls to us to isolate ourselves 
we can bravely invite others into our journey and allow their encouragement to give us courage. There are people in this room that have seen the goodness of God. They know Emmanuel, God with us. Who needs to support you like Elizabeth supported Mary? And when fear would have us look down and focus on the hurt, focus on our pain, focus on the what-ifs and the unknown, we can courageously lift our eyes. We can choose to remind our minds of who God really is, that he's near and he's mighty and he's able and he's never changing. And everything that he was able to do here And in the stories of people throughout history, he is still able to do and more. His power hasn't lessened or diminished and he's not stuck only repeating what he's done in the past. He's able to meet your need. He's able to meet your fear. Fear breeds fear, but trust breeds trust. And for Mary, I was enough. May it be to me according to your word. And so Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home where everything she had left was still waiting for her. But in trust and obedience, and my prayer for us is that we would do the same. that we would walk in trust and obedience. Let's pray. We're going to invite the worship team up as we do so. God, we live in a fallen and broken world, and we are frail people. On my own, God, I am weak and limited. And the storms of life, they rage big and loud and ferocious. And dealing with other people's brokenness means that sometimes there are words that come at me in situations that just loom large. When I feel attacked and unsafe and terrified. And God, we also know that we are in a battle that this life is not all there is. And so we have a very real enemy who is seeking to kill and destroy. And God, on our own, all of these things can bring us to the place where we are paralyzed with fear. And in those moments, God, would you open our eyes to see each other? Would you help us to be people that are safe, people of encouragement and life? Would you help us to be people of prayer that we could support and strengthen and give courage to one another? But would you also help us to remember that you are our rock and you promise that the house built upon the rock will not fall when the storms of life rage. 
and you are our refuge. And God, in the Old Testament, you said that anyone could run to the city of refuge and find safety. So when we feel attacked, we run to you and we know that we are safe. And when we're caught in the battle, God, you promise to be our shield. You promise to be the God who fights for us, our defender. And so we lift our eyes. We lift our eyes to you, the one who is able. We lift our eyes to you, the one who is faithful. We lift our eyes to you, the one who is all-knowing, whose mercies are new every morning, who promises never to leave or abandon us. And we remind ourselves of the truth that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and you've never broken a promise and you're not gonna start with us. And so we choose trust. We choose to walk in this beautiful life you've prepared for us and not allow anything to steal it. And like Mary, God, when you come and you whisper your incredible dreams and plans to our spirit, would you help us to say yes? To say yes, regardless of what it looks like it will cost. Because the fulfillment of your plans and promises are always so much more than we could imagine. We love you. Thank you for your goodness towards us. And for this Christmas season when we can marvel that your love compelled you to earth, not just to stay a baby, but to take that cross willingly for us. And like as Lucas prayed this morning, that that is not the end, but we look forward with hope to an eternity with you. Our prize, our goal of being with you. In your precious name, amen.